Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for Mercury News. We've got some listener questions to get to later on. And I'm joined today by Bram Hildman, host of the popular podcast Warriors Puddle, to help answer them. But Bram, before we get to those, uh, since your podcast was featured in the big Ethan Strauss, Kevin Durant book, have you just had to hire an assistant now to get through all of these interview requests? You know, I have, but to be totally transparent, each and every one of those interview requests have been authored by me. I just like to feel important, Wes, so I I go on to some random burner account I've created, shoot an email over to our, our podcast account, and then read it you know, zealously and pretend like it's come from other people. Um, and also, let me add immediately, right from the jump, you should call me the amazed Bram, because right now, man, I can barely do a podcast a week and the idea that you are doing a daily Warriors podcast during this pandemic just amazes me. It blows me out of the water. So uh, nicely played. We're at three days a week now. I should probably get rid of the daily part in the, in the opening tag there. but Oh, wow. Um, that just feels like a lie. And I feel like I've been strip, betrayed yeah. and I dropped you a huge compliment that was totally unjustified. I mean, three times a week is impressive, too. But it's not daily, Wes. <laughs> it's no longer daily. It's daily during the season. But uh, it's been hard, man, to find stuff to talk about. And um, that's why, you know, we resort to, you know, mailbags and things like that, because I mean, I like mailbags anyway, but um, we also resort to things like this, talking about what Steve Kerr said on KNBR recently, that he expects Draymond Green to be the best version of himself next season. He acknowledged that the season for Green had been frustrating. So basically echoing what he said all season. But because we're desperate, because times are the way that they are, we're allowed to recycle headlines. And that gives me a reason also to talk about this with you, Bram, because I, I want to know, from your perspective, what's your level of trust with Draymond as far as him getting back to his peak level? And furthermore, do the Warriors even need him to return to that peak level for them to be contenders? Let me start with the second question and then back into the first one, because I think the second one's easy. Resounding yes. Um, there are a lot of people on the Warriors squad, even now that Durant has left, that can still score the basketball. There's a lot of people who can pass the basketball. There are some rebounders on that squad. But what there is not is the type of defensive intelligence and uh, effort that Draymond has brought since he was a rookie. And if we suddenly lose that going into a year we're hoping to use to kind of propel back into a real team, I think we'd be screwed. So short and simply, yeah, we're going to need it. Do I expect it? I don't know, Wes, right? So I, I think there's two components to it. Mentally, do I expect him to be locked back in? Absolutely. Um, not just from what I've heard from Kerr. I've heard it from Draymond. He was in the Up in Smoke podcast. You and I discussed it, in fact, during a, uh, a previous podcast episode. And what he was saying in a lot of colorful terms was, look, last year he kind of tuned out. He recognized early on he just needed to tutor the young guys, but they weren't going to win games, so he wasn't involved. And I expect that, that mental dedication to come back this year because it's not a bunch of scrubs. But that leaves the hardest question, man. Can he? Is he still physically capable of doing what we became accustomed to watching him do during the dynastic years? I don't know, man. You know, so the uh, the fan in me, and really, man, that's what I am. The fan in me wants to tell you, yes, of course he will be back. It's Draymond Green. But the somewhat tepid media member, I, I think I'm going to say he's going to be coming back, but at like 75%. 
Am I being ridiculous? Is that too optimistic? Uh, where do you stand on this? I think we were talking about this going into la- like not these not these current playoffs weird version, uh, but last year's playoffs. We were Draymond has clearly lost a step during the regular season. The Warriors had you know the the uh, kind of an up and down regular season, and then he turns it on in the playoffs. He's the best player on the floor during that Portland series in the Western Conference Finals for a large part of that series. And all and all that stuff just went away, right? Everybody was like, "Oh my gosh, he's great." And then this year was the worst, po- like where I think the Warriors of the past were the best possible version of a team that Draymond Green could be a part of. These years, Warriors were the worst, right? And he suddenly had to, instead of just doing all these extra things that don't show up in the box score, had to be the guy who was showing up in the box score, and he couldn't do it. And then we yep. all judged him for it, even though that's never been really his game. I, I you know, you have a game seven of the 2016 you know, NBA Finals every once in a while with Draymond, or you used to, I think that stuff is gone. I think the heights, the triple-doubles, the things like that are probably largely gone because I don't see him doing that from a points production standpoint. Um, but I will say this. This whole 82-game player versus 16-game player thing that Draymond came up with a couple of years ago was genius PR moving. I mean, that because that is just his, that's his thing now, right? He's like, who cares? I'm a 16-game player. And everybody's like, yeah, Draymond, you're right. You're a 16-game player. The Warriors didn't have those 16 games this season, so we didn't get that chance to see the Draymond that showed up in the Western Conference Finals last year. We didn't get a chance to see that happen this year. And maybe it'll happen next year. But even if he does have a lackluster regular season again, we're all going to be nodding our head in agreement with Draymond. Who cares? It's the regular season, even though next year's regular season definitely matters in a way for the Warriors, and it hasn't when Kevin Durant was around. Right, right. I think that is on the money. And here, let me let me try to put it in a different way because my first one was kind of rambling. It took a little longer than I wanted. Um, we have watched various people on this Warriors team show us dynastic skills. Steph, unquestioned, if not the greatest shooter of all time, one of the greatest shooters of all time, right? Kerr, people take shots at his, at his play calling abilities, but there's no doubt he's one of the best team builders of all time. Draymond has a dynastic skill like that, and it's not his his physicality. It's amazing. His ability to play one through five defensively is awesome. But really, the skill set that is going to set him apart historically is his knowledge of the game, right? I mean, he, he gets the most out of his body and the most out of all of his teammates that you can possibly get. When you surround him with shit burgers, I'm not a sure if we're allowed to swear on your show, Wes, but if you do surround him with the the type of talent we saw this year, you lose that skill set, man. And when it comes back next year, hopefully we'll see his true value again. Um, So we'll see, you know, and if he comes out and he's awful next year, know that I will deny everything I just said. And and even in the face of tape, man, I, I have no problem just immediately turning my back on my old takes. Let's spin this forward a little bit now then. So what does a role that is effective look like for Draymond Green? Because he, I think we've established he's not going to be the... You, you said maybe 75% of what he once was. Um, I think that's good. I think that's probably right about what we should expect. What does that look like then for a team that... Like, let's say the, the Warriors are a title-contending team again with Steph, with Clay, with Andrew Wiggins, with whoever they draft, everything that happens this summer. What do you think Draymond's role most effective... Or, what, yeah, what is the most effective version of Draymond Green's role going forward? Is it the same as it was before? Does he have to take a step back and other people have to kind of come up and play at a higher level? Because we've seen, you know, a team like the Spurs who the Warriors have tried to imitate. Um, you've, you've seen guys like Manu and Tony Parker and Tim Duncan all take, you know, not necessarily steps back, but adjusted roles as they aged. Yep. 
Um, I think you can break that down into two roles. What we want out of them during the regular season, and then hopefully what we want out of them during the playoffs, right? Because one of the practical realities here, man, with Draymond's age, is we can't ask him to be the player we'd like him to be for 82 games. It's not going to happen. We'll use his distinction. It's the 16, and you said it really nicely before. So during the regular season, just hold on. You know, give us uh, 25 minutes a night, a whole bunch of, uh, of nights off that they'll come up with some you know, ridiculous excuse for and teach the young guys in between. You know, make sure that uh, Marquise Chris and everybody knows how this team is supposed to run while Steph is on the floor. But if they get to the playoffs, you know what? When, Wes, when they get to the playoffs – that's when we're going to need that 75%. And I think when they'll need it most, if I had to pick one thing that I hope is still there when we see Draymond between the lines during the playoffs, it's his defensive flexibility. I still want to see him be able to guard the post and then flip out on a pick and roll and guard the point guard for at least two or three possessions. If we lose that, the Warriors are screwed, right? If he can't necessarily shoot the three anymore, we're all right. If he's not a triple-double threat like he used to be, we can find some people who can, who can pick up the slack. But if he's not that defensive guy, I, I, I think we're screwed. Um, but am I off? I mean, you, you are watching these guys or got to watch these guys on a daily basis. No, uh, I, I, think you're, I think you're right on track because the guy who picked up the slack the last few years was Kevin Durant. I mean, you could argue. I think there was there were times where you could argue that Draymond Green was the best center in the league. There were also times you could argue that Kevin Durant was the best center in the league. Yep. And they need to go into this offseason. You're not going to find a guy like Durant because defensively, what he was able to do was unbelievable. But um, if you could find a guy, you can sort of be a facsimile of that, where he's uh, a six eight, like more of like a Harrison Barnes type who can just cover some ground, provide some rim protection, and not ha- and not force Draymond to do it all all the time. That's going to be huge for them. Maybe it's Eric Paschal if he develops a three-point shot and he can play alongside Draymond Green. I still have my questions about that, but um, maybe it's something like that. Um, if, he, if, go ahead. If, if we're leaning on Eric Paschal as the answer, we might be screwed, man. Um, yeah. I'll, let me give you a random-ass story that helps show what I'm hoping we can see from Draymond during the regular season. And again, it's just treading water. But I got this from way back in the day. Um, Draymond's rookie year, his first training camp is in Vegas. And they've got Mark Jackson as the coach then. And the, the rookie before him, the year prior, was a guy named Jeremy Tyler, who, like every Warriors rookie before Draymond, did not work out for shit. And Jeremy Tyler at that time had been designated as uh, Draymond's veteran. I guess Mark Jackson took the whole team and literally split, uh, split them up. You know, this rookie is with this veteran, and the veteran is supposed to teach the rookie how things go. And during a, uh, a practice in Vegas, Draymond is guarding Jeremy Tyler, kind of an overweight 6'10 dude. And Jeremy goes up for a shot, Draymond blocks it, and Jeremy calls foul. And Draymond immediately calls him a giant bitch, his words, not mine, and then goes to Mark Jackson and says, I cannot play for this guy. He will not be my veteran. I will not follow Jeremy Tyler around. He doesn't know what it takes to be an NBA player. This is just a rookie, Wes. He had never played a game. If he can bring that kind of moxie, you know, now, now that he's a defensive player of the year, now that he is a multiple-time champion, now that he is a legit veteran, bring everything he's learned since that moment to this, and have those kind of observations during practice, I'll be happy. 
You know, just make sure that Jeremy Tyler's don't infect this team again, and then we're good to go, and let's focus on the postseason. I've got a Giannis-inspired question to ask you, but first, this episode oh, is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Look, every once in a oh, while... Oh, you bastard, Magic Spoon. I'm to... so excited for this question. Okay, no, sorry. Go ahead. All right, Magic Spoon. Uh, every once in a while, we get a sponsor on this show uh, whose product I've already been using, and that makes these ad reads a lot easier, Bram. A couple of months ago, I stumbled onto Magic Spoon, which is just a healthy cereal that fit with my diet. Um, so I started buying it, and I, lo- I love cereal, and I couldn't eat cereal for a really long time. And this week, Magic Spoon officially became a sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. They, they sent a bunch of the hosts uh, a case of cereal for free, which was really generous and really exciting because I had actually just bought my own case of new Magic Spoon cereal. So now I've got two cases of this stuff. So I'm not going to have to buy it for a while. Uh, but you should. I started eating Magic Spoon because I love cereal. It's easy. It t- tastes good. It's really high. In, but, you know, the ones you usually buy at the grocery stores, they're high in carbs or high in sugar. They're called like crazy names. There's got they've got frogs on the front and stuff like that. Uh, those are things I try to avoid typically. Magic Spoon, however, has zero sugars, 12 grams of protein, and only three net carbs in each serving. It's keto friendly. It's gluten free. It's grain free, soy free, low carb, GMO free. And there are four flavors, including chocolate, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. So go to MagicSpoon.com/nba to grab a variety pack of those four flavors and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code. NBA at checkout, and you get free shipping with that. And now I'm going to be honest, if you're used to buying cereal at the grocery store, you're going to initially be surprised by the price of this stuff. I I was. But I bought it anyway to try it, and I haven't gone back. It cost me more, but it's good for you. And those are the things, in my opinion, that are worth investing in. So don't balk at the price. It's not that bad. Use the promo code NBA to save on shipping. Also, Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. I don't know that anybody's ever guaranteed 100% happiness. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. But if you try to get a refund for a box of cereal, you're going to have a lot bigger problems uh, that you should be dealing with. That's magicspoon.com slash NBA. Use the code NBA for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. I'll give you, and you know I'm anxious for this question, but I have to say it. Otherwise, I'd be being disingenuous. Disingenuous portion number one. Um, I've, in fact, tried Magic Spoon. Um, and I can tell you, I'm as cheap as they get, Wes. Like, next level, dude. I don't like spending money on anything. My wife literally bought this, and I was all pissy until we tried it. And now I'm on board. So even those of you who are worried about the price, this, uh, this is absolutely worth it. And two, let me say how resentful I am that you not only have an ad, but you have an ad for something that you actually enjoy and I enjoy. I mean, what's up, Magic Spoon, Warriors Huddle? We would love to pimp this product. It sounds fantastic. So, you know. Maybe if they listen, they can consider that. Magic Spoon, they're getting in the podcast game now. Maybe Warriors Huddle's next. I think you might be We're right here. We're right here. Let the record reflect I'm eating cereal with a toad on the front of it right now and should not be. You know what I mean? I need their help, Wes. Get rid of the sugar smacks. Let's move on. Um, We're adults now. Um, All right. I want to talk about that Giannis question now. Uh, It's it's point blank. I'm going to ask you because you're a Warriors fan. Um, I came under fire recently a little bit because I went on a separate podcast, which we won't mention because we've already talked about two different podcasts on this show. Um, but those... This isn't the show where you just chronicle all the Warriors podcasts that are out there? I thought that's all you do on the show is just name Warriors podcasts and then move on. Did you drop chronicle on purpose? That was that was like a double entendre there. Um, <laughs> I have uh, my moments. Also, I, great phrase. I went on uh, a certain Warriors podcast and I said, if I were a Warriors fan, 
I under like first of all, if I'm the Warriors, I understand the want for Giannis. I get it. Like if you can have Giannis, you get Giannis. No question is asked. You do it. That's your job. If you're Bob Myers, that's just your job. Get the best players you can. If I'm a Warriors fan, I don't want Giannis because I've just recently went through this whole thing with Kevin Durant and how our championships weren't worth as much as other past championships. I got attacked. I got attacked for saying that. I'm saying. Yeah, I'll attack you now. It's, it's a preposterous not, statement. It is a preposterous statement. It's not my opinion. It's just it seems like Warriors fans have a little bit of um, there, there's a, there, that's the feeling that is the sentiment around how Warriors fans think that their championships are viewed. Um, I, I just think there's a little bit of insecurity there. Are you going to invite that insecurity back if the Warriors are winning championships with Steph Curry and Giannis? I think you are. Uh, so as a Warriors fan, if it requires. Getting rid of, of Draymond Green and Clay to, Thompson. If I had to trade my five-year-old daughter, Wes, I would bring in Giannis Antetokounmpo. But before we get there, let's confront this remarkably ridiculous notion that there's any insecurity in the Warriors fans' championships. Basketball, like almost every other capitalistic enterprise, is a competition. For example, Rolex. When Rolex is making its watch, they try to make the best possible watch they can make. And if they poached some amazing watchmaker from some other company and made a watch that was way better than everyone else, you know what they would not do? Feel guilty about making the greatest watch, BMW. Same thing with cars. If they got somebody who made cars from a different company, had them join them, and now made a car that was better than anybody else, they wouldn't apologize or feel bad about making a product that was better than everyone else. They just did their job better than anyone. So for the Warriors, when Bob Myers literally looked at a 73-win team and said, you know what, man, this is not enough. This is not good enough, Wes, he said. I need to find a way to bring in possibly one of the greatest players in the game. He did that, and they created the best team that anyone had ever seen. The idea that other people thought that team was so good it was unfair doesn't make me feel bad about their dominance. It makes me laugh hysterically about their dominance. That other fans are bitching about it doesn't make me feel insecure. It makes me feel dominant. Hmm. Would I like that dominant feeling again? Fuck yes. Absolutely. If they could trade for Michael Jordan in his prime right now, for, for Marquise Chris, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, but then who would play center? Uh, okay, fair. That's fair. Um, you know, maybe we can get uh, Kevin Durant to come back. But the, the bottom line on this is it's not the Warriors' job to make sure that other teams can keep up with them and compete. If they create a team that is literally better than everybody else, they've won. They haven't compromised. They've just done their job better. I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but I read the comments to podcasts and things uh, on Twitter and online, social media, and Warriors fans are really split on whether or not it would be worth getting rid of Draymond and Klay Thompson for Giannis because there is a love for Draymond and Klay Thompson that is so important that you didn't have to sacrifice or compromise to get Kevin Durant. So it's different in that way. If to get Giannis, no, they most certainly will have to get rid of at least one of those guys. Well, and, I mean, the thing that, so, and I, I was so fired up, and I hope that you couldn't tell that I'd, like, been practicing that response for months, um, but I was so excited to drop that into the mic, man. I didn't really listen to your question. So, would I trade Draymond and Clay? You know, abstractly, if I'm just answering, like, immediately, you know, like, you and I were grabbing drinks, and I had two seconds to respond, I'd respond the way I just did. Yeah. Given a little bit of time, here's what's tricky for me. Looking into the future, and I'm, I'm not talking about these next five years. I'm talking about the next 15. Draymond and Clay have done 
everything for this franchise to bring them where they are now. And I don't know if I like the optics of after they've done everything they possibly could to bring this team, you know, to, to a dynastic position, that they've then traded them out. And in this instance, they would be going to a Milwaukee team that would most likely be facing rebuilding or, you know, something that, that neither Clay nor Draymond would want to be doing. And so what I don't like about that, man, is in the future, right, not this free agent, not Giannis, but somebody else who looks at how the Warriors dealt with their – you know, they're building uh, blocks. The main people in their franchise, the second they got long in the tooth, they got thrown out. I don't like that. So that's what would bring me pause. Not the basketball now, but, you know, what it could mean on how they're viewed as a franchise down the line. And I think that would be something that the Warriors' ownership and front office and everybody involved in that decision-making process would consider during that decision-making process. That is a real right. thing that you have to consider because, like you said, there's an optics, and when we talk about optics, we're talking about business, and what are the Warriors? They are a business, first and foremost. They make yeah. it very clear that that is the case as many chances that they could get. So I, I think that's – and I bring up the Spurs again. Their model, they love that model. They never traded Tony Parker, Manu, Tim Duncan, even when they did get long in the tooth. Even when they, right. they, but they did get the – they got to augment the team with guys like Kawhi Leonard and Patty Mills and, and guys who were like really important players for them. And I think if you're the Warriors, you look to do that – First and foremost, right? That's right. the first thing with this top five pick with the TPE. What can you do with those things to augment this team and make it a title contender without Giannis? Because you can win right. a championship without Giannis. Giannis is going to make you very good, but there's other ways to get to a championship. Can you use? One, can you explore one of those paths and have a deep and and loaded roster that is built to last versus a team that is solely reliant on guys like Steph Curry or on two guys and being Steph Curry and Giannis, which you know you have two of the top five players in the league at that point, so you could do a lot worse. But is there another way? to go about it. I think that those are the things that they're going to have to consider. Um, is this just a pipe dream, man? I mean, you know better than I. You do this for a living. Is, he, is, is Antetokounmpo actually going to become available? I think it's a pipe dream. I think that, and the, look, I don't, I don't know anything that's going on with Giannis or Milwaukee, I, I, but the people who I talk to who tend to know about it think that he's really happy there. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to use that as my own reporting, but that, that's what, I t when I talk to people who do do reporting, that's what they say. Um, Can I'm we also, start some like really scandalous rumor on your podcast about how he hates it there or something like that? Do you have anything like in particularly salacious or not really? I have nothing, but we can make something up. I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not a be, be above that. Like if you want to just come up with something yeah. right now or take a minute. Yeah, and think no, I really. Or... I like that. Like he he hates the Chinese food in Milwaukee and has to come to the Bay because he's always been a big Chinese food guy. Like right. something like that. Just, like, like he has so to ask abstract. for chopsticks every time, and he's like, it should exactly. just be assumed that I want chopsticks. And then he should immediately leave if he can't get – okay, see, this is what I'm talking about. Yanni's calls for chopsticks immediately coming to the Bay. It's, it's, it's its own headline. That's right. <laughs> okay, let's get into our mailbag here. When Matt writes in, does Mike Brown get a head coaching gig in the next three years, do you reckon? For two things. Uh, first thing, Matt, congrats on using the word uh, reckon. Uh, yeah, nice complaint. Wow. Yeah, really good. Um, second thing, uh, we are talking about this on the heels – of uh, the report that Mike Brown is going to interview for a job, for the head coaching job with the Knicks. The same day, it was also reported by Mark Stein that Jason Kidd will be interviewing for the head coaching job with the Knicks. In Mike Brown and Jason Kidd, Graham, I think you have two coaches on opposite sides of the spectrum. You have one who is an agent of chaos, and you have one who lives for Microsoft Excel programming. And <laughs> I, I think that 
<laughs> if you're the Knicks, it just shows you have no friggin' clue what you're looking for. That said, this is not a show about the Knicks. This is not locked on Knicks. This is locked on Warriors. We are talking about Mike Brown. Do yeah. you think he well, can get a head coaching job in the next three years? I think you should rename this show to I Reckon with Wes Goldberg. I listen to that every week. Um, and I think that if we rewound a season, the answer to that question would be yes, absolutely. Uh, Mike Brown would be a very shiny name coming off a very shiny franchise. And a team like the Knicks, who are trying to kind of rebrand, it's the exact name you would want. But after the season we just had, you know, after he got uh, Eric Pascal a little bit and got a little more on him and a uh, little Juan Toscano Anderson, after they, they had less than 25 wins this year, I'm not sure if he still has that brand new feel to him. And I think he's going to require another season or two of Warriors success before he'll get a real look. Um, so I'll say, I'll take the push over under three. I bet you he will, but it won't be till the third year. And it won't be to a team that I think, it, it, it'll be to a team sort of like the Knicks, but probably less dysfunctional. Um, yeah. Like the Knicks in that there's a lot of young players, and they're going to have to rely on those young players, whether or not the Knicks want to admit that or not is beside the question. We um, might get lucky with like the Nets, man. You know, I mean, like, I, I don't know if they're making a move immediately this year, which would knock him out. But like, that's the kind of team that would be perfect for him. You know, like suddenly gets brought in, he uses his offensive prowess, and they have heavy hitters like KD and, and Kyrie. Right. Or maybe it's a young team that gives him the, the long-term stability to let him, you know, work and coach and develop the young players. It would just right. it would have to be a team that has some stability, not only for, like, I think for Mike Brown to take it. He's said before he's not going to just jump ship for any coaching job. It's going to be for a good situation. He's gotten burned enough times that I think he's interested in taking the interview for the Knicks. But if they offered him the job, I don't know that he would take it. I have no idea. Right. Um, we're going to get to our next question about some of the Warriors' uh, trade exceptions, but I have a different question for you first, Bram. Uh, how many books have you read during the uh, shelter-in-place portion of this year? What counts as books? Like text messages? Comic books? I mean, are we talking like actual books? Like, like something cover, with a something, books? yeah, something with a cover and then the back cover, even electronically. Well, I, now that I told you text, I think we both know the answer to that is zero. But if we're counting like on my phone, not hardcover, but actual sit down um, read, I'm one and a half in. One and a half in. What book? What book is it? It's called Lock Lamora. I, I mean, I can't believe you're actually busting me out on this. What if I was lying, Wes, and I didn't have a name for you? But this is the, the main character's name is Lock Lamora. The actual title of the book, I don't know, and now I feel kind of embarrassed. That's okay. Um, I, think, I think we're similar maybe in that in this pandemic, you, I, at least I bought a bunch of books that I was planning to read, um, and I never really got around to them. And my, now my reading list has only gotten longer, so that's why I actually turned to using this new device called Blinkist. While judging things, uh, while juggling things like working from home, cooking, and childcare, it's hard to find the time to read. That's where Blinkist comes in. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction titles, and condenses them down into a quick 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. It's perfect if you want to get the main points of a book quickly so that you can start using that information right away and just move on with your life. With its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book when you break for lunch, work around the house, or while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now, accessing its massive and growing library. Self-help, business, health, history, bestsellers, classic nonfiction titles. Blinkist has the books that you always meant to read but never had the time to. So right now and for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for you. Go to Blinkist.com NBA and try it for free for seven days. 
And if you love it after that, you can save 25% off when you sign up for a new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial and save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. You know what speaks to me about that, Wes, is I'm the type of personality who likes to seem smart without actually doing any of the background work. You've probably noticed that like multiple times that you and I have become friends. And that sounds like that will give me that immediately. Like if I can seriously pretend that I've written big name books and pass off nonfiction knowledge as if I have that kind of a degree, I will do that in a heartbeat. So I'm on it. There you go. Um, Rudy writes in, will the Warriors be able to capitalize on their exceptions on players whose teams are more apt for salary relief due to this economic uncertainty? All right. I like what Rudy, I like where Rudy's head is at. Um, as far as these exceptions go. I want to narrow this, Bram, to the traded player exception because that going into this offseason was already going to be one of the most valuable tools in the NBA. $17.2 million, no questions asked. You can absorb any one player into that. That's what the Warriors are dealing with. Now that the salary cap is going to decrease, and we know it's going to, we just don't know by how much. But now that it's going to decrease, there's going to be more teams looking for cap relief. That only increases the value of that trade exception for the Warriors if the Warriors are willing to use either the full amount or a large portion of the trade player exception. Where do you think they're going to be at with that? So I'm really worried about that, man. I'm really glad you asked because ultimately I'm going to try to put this on its head and ask you. But up until literally last week, I was of the mind that, of course, Joe Lacob and the Warriors would still use the full amount. And that, of course, they would still be willing to have more money and more resources than any team else out there. And then it was only a matter of time before the dynasty returned, right? And then something changed, man. What changed was last week, the Warriors hit me up. I'm a season ticket holder. They hit me up and let me know that we are, in fact, going to have a July payment this year. We're gonna, we, have, we owe them an installment for season tickets. And that really concerns me. Here's why. There's no way they're playing in front of fans next year. There's just not. That's not going to happen. Um, I know that. I feel like medical professionals know that, and I'm pretty sure the Warriors know that. So if they are reaching out to their season ticket holders and asking for funds now for a season that is almost definitely not going to be played, then for the first time since this ownership group took over, Wes, I'm worried about their money, man. And, like, I get why. I understand it. You know, they built Chase Center. It was supposed to be a black card that gave them money for everything. And then once that happened, not only the games, everything got canceled. There's no concerts. There's no ice capades. There's no nothing. But it wasn't until I got hit up for a July payment until I started actually thinking how that's going to affect them in the real world. So rounding all the way back to your question – I now am not positive they're going to spend this, this full amount, and I am concerned that they're going to look to save a little bit of money, something that was never true with this ownership group. Talk me off the ledge, man. Am, am, I, am I being ridiculous? Is a single payment in July, am I reading into this far too much? Um, no, I don't think you are. Uh, I'm not, but I, I don't think you're reading into it too much. I do think, however, for the traded player exception, it's going to depend – we kind of keep we kind of keep looking at this in a binary view. Are they going to use the full amount? Or are they not? Uh, yeah. It's going to come down to what the player is that they can acquire with it is. And for Bob Myers, that's going to be his selling job. He reading between the lines of his comments um, in our end of season press conference with him, um, 
He said that Joe Lacob has always been willing to spend with the right player. All these things. You go back to why they signed DeMarcus Cousins. It was because they could get him. They weren't planning on using that full uh, MLE at that point yeah. uh, in yeah. order to save money. But they were able to get Boogie, and they, they went for it. Uh, if Bob Myers can sell Joe Lacob on, hey, this player is going to be worth it, and he's going to over-deliver on that value of the contract, so it's worth bringing him in. A luxury tax, all things considered. This is a team that already planned on uh, paying a luxury tax. Granted, that was before this pandemic hit, but still... Um, I think that's where it's going to come down to. The one concern I would have if I'm a Warriors fan, and one, and I think something the Warriors are going to have to consider as from a front office uh, perspective is maybe not thinking about the player so much. Um, I think that's kind of missing the boat with the real value of this traded player exception. Like if you can get Evan Fournier at seventeen million dollars, like I don't do that. Fournier is a nice player. I'm not. He's not worth seventeen million dollars for me from the Warriors and everything, all the cost that that's going to include, but. I also don't think that a guy like Rudy Gay at fourteen million dollars is great. I think he'd be a decent fit, but his contract expires, and now you lose sure. that cap hold. Your or you don't lose the cap hold, but you lose the cap slot. You lose that large cap slot. We've learned from the Warriors that they value that from the the sign and trade that brought D'Angelo Russell in. They did it to maintain the max cap slot, not necessarily to acquire D'Angelo Russell. They use that max cap slot to acquire Andrew Wiggins. With this traded player exception. You have $17.2 million that you can just add to your team, no questions asked. And they need to do that to the fullest extent that they can in order to create and maintain this large cap slot. It's not a max one, but it's a large one at $17 million. You can get very useful players with $17 million. So whatever player you go get, I think they ought to, if they're willing to spend, they ought to just use it on the most expensive player they possibly can. Whoever gets closest sure. to that $17.2 million. And then if you need to flip that player by the trade deadline or a year from now or whatever, do that. But that player has to fit the $17 million and he has to be under a multi-year contract so that you can maintain the, the, the use of that slot. That, to me, is what, if I'm Bob Myers, I need to sell that to Joe Lacob, saying, that makes look, sense. this player might be okay for us, he could be helpful for us, but really what we're doing is we're looking down the road to bring it all the way back, Bram, that everybody keeps building these fake Giannis trade packages with Clay Thompson or Draymond Green or hey maybe even Andrew Wiggins. You can or my five year old daughter. Don't forget her. Or your five year old daughter. But you can also include possibly whatever player you get with the seventeen point two million dollar trade sure. exception. Yeah. Is there if if you could pick one name out and I don't mean to put you uh, on front street here, so if there's no one in your mind, don't worry about it. But is there one guy who fits that description? One player out there who would be the perfect uh, cap hold and seventeen million dollar expenditure? I don't know about perfect, but I keep going back to a guy like Aaron Gordon, who I am not the high, biggest fan of Aaron Gordon. I don't love his fit with Golden State, even though there are reasons why it could work. Um, and you would have to do that bridge buy concept, I think, in order to to get him. So you'd have to use the trade player exception, get an expiring deal, sure. that expiring deal with a future first round pick, get Aaron Gordon, something like that. Yeah, a um, local kid, an infusion of athleticism. I could see there being some upside there. He's young, and you can use and like look. I think you can work with him. He's good enough to work within the framework of the Warriors, but he's even more valuable as po- as a possible trade piece el- uh, sure. to to move elsewhere. And he's only going to be better on the Warriors than he was with the magic because of duh yep right because they aren't the magic <laughs> right uh the rookie and the vet one writes in what if the dubs signed dwight howard instead of andre iguodala I'm you mean back in time you. yes in 2014 uh, then we would be dealing with the same frustration now in 2020 that we were dealing with then 
um, when they ultimately made that move. You know, uh, I, I remember being heartened during that because it was one of the first times that a very large free agent name was willing to actually talk to us. Not only Andre, but you know, with with Dwight Howard. But outside of that, thank God this played the exact way that it did. Um, with Andre, they not only created the death lineup, something that Howard would not have solidified, but they also valued basketball IQ. You know, who knows if Draymond Green becomes the player that we were praising for the first 20 minutes of this podcast if they hadn't brought in Andre. And although I've never spent one minute in a locker room with either of them, I feel really confident in saying that if I had to pick a tutor for Draymond Green, it would be Andre Iguodala over Dwight Howard, and I would make that decision 50 times out of 50, you know? So um, to kind of sum it up, I was thankful that Dwight Howard even considered us, and at that time he was a huge name star, but oh my God, did they not only make the right call, they got so lucky that they ended up with Iguodala as – as opposed to Howard, let me ask you this, man. Um, it's super random, left field, but I got into an argument with a friend last night, and I knew I was going to be talking to you today, and I really wanted your opinion on it. Uh, so th- there's this snitch line, right, that, that the NBA has publicized, and when Orlando happens and the bubble begins, the players are going to be given a number, and they can call in if they see anybody violating the bubble. My question to you is, would you do it? If you were one of those players, you know, and you're out there and you see somebody else violating whatever it is, whatever rule violation, personality-wise, would you pick up the snitch line and call it in? Yes, 100%. Um, If there were a snitch line in real life that I could call when I see somebody walking around without a mask or acting like an idiot (laughs) when we're trying to reopen this economy, I would would have that on speed dial. I would be just – I would be outing people left and right. Would you do it in front of them? Like, would you, like, put it on speakerphone and make, like, eye contact with them and, like, make sure that they knew that you were busting them out? Uh, I am not that awesome. I would not do that. I would definitely find a, a different – I would go to the other side of the hotel and make the call there and make sure that my, my name was – see. I'd probably, you know, hide – I'd probably use an accent. Um <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't this know. is Wes. I mean, this is Michael. Or something That's like the that. thing. The guy, the other person on the end of the tip line. If LeBron James calls, because he's the one who would snitch too. Like LeBron has got so much at stake here. You know LeBron's voice. These guys are like, if a star calls, oh, yeah. like you're like, this is this is LeBron James, and he'd be like, uh, no, this is Steph Curry. No, it's not. No, this is LeBron Mames. Yeah, LeBron no, it, Mames. It, for the for the star players, they're gonna have to go to the back of the bench guys. That's right. It's not gonna be LeBron. It's gonna be Quinn Cook. You know. Yeah. Nobody and there's gonna be like some. Like like Donald Sterling like tape that the NBA has where they have voice of Quinn Cook going, yeah, I'd like to report somebody LeBron, LeBron, who was it? You know, Oh, and it was James Harden at the strip club. I, I'm, um, I'm jealous, man. I, so if I'm being, if I didn't give you the real answer, let's say you asked me that and I wanted to seem responsible, like, of course, of course I would, Wes, I care about health. I would tell on anybody. But I'm not sure if I would actually go through that. Uh, this past weekend, a friend of mine had a drive-by birthday party for his 15-year-old son. And we were just supposed to drive by, you know? So we drive by, but people were getting out. So I got out. And we were just going to say hello and not, like, you know, touch elbows. But people were touching elbows, so I touched elbows. And then we were supposed to leave in, like, five minutes. But people were staying for longer than five minutes, so I stayed for longer than five minutes. So. What I've realized is on one side I'm telling everybody, be hella careful, and it's scandalous that they're even allowing them to play basketball, and we should all be in this bubble. 
But on the other side, when I'm confronted with violations of it, I kind of puss out. So I don't know if I would use a cinch line. I feel like I would want to and then would not actually do it. Well, the difference is that you went on a drive-by with your friends. So you're not going to rat out your friends. But if you're LeBron James and you see James Harden walking in at you know 6.30 in the morning <laughs> into the Swan and Dolphin Resort in Orlando, Florida, then you might be like, all right. You're out of here, bro. Like, Quinn, Quinn, make the call right Quinn, now. Make the call. Right. <laughs> would you, okay, so take us home. If it was your friend, would you make the call? No, absolutely not, because I do the same thing. That's what I'm, and that's going to be the funny thing about all of this is uh, all this social distancing and stuff that they're going to try to enforce in the bubble. A lot of these guys who are friends, they're not, they're just like us. They're not, they're, they probably, they've been like us for weeks now where you, you give us Hell a little yeah. bit of a door. And we push it open. We're like, all right, fine. Like, like, hey, we're easing the economy open. We're like, I don't care. Let's just, like, I'm going to go hang out with my friends now. We're going to touch elbows, whatever. Like, that's how you everybody mean, like, is. Like grabbing drinks at Krogan's? I have no idea what you're talking about. No, I'm sure the first thing that those people will do is play uh, doubles ping pong at, uh, at Orlando's nicest resort. Right. And they're definitely not going to use a new pack of cards every time. Especially Let's when they're drinking. Of course not. We all have our favorite set of cards. That's right. Um, all right, Bram, thanks for coming on. Uh, since it's your first time on the pod, can you tell our listeners about Warriors Huddle and how they can listen? I can. Uh, we are a Warriors podcast, have been for quite some time. Pretend to somehow be uh, not biased, but as I'm sure I've said to you throughout this podcast, we are just Warriors fans talking about the Warriors. Uh, you can find us anywhere podcasts are listened to all i can think of now is itunes but we're on other things stitcher the whole nine yards um we really appreciate you having us on or having me on this week wes it was huge fun um and hopefully we can do this again man i'd love to have you back on our show absolutely and look warriors huddle if you're listening definitely worth your time go ahead and listen to it i listened to, I, you didn't mention spotify i listened to it on spotify um, you can also subscribe to Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, everywhere. You can get that Locked On Warriors, Warriors Huddle. I found it everywhere you get podcasts. So go ahead and subscribe. This has been Locked On Warriors with Brand from Warriors Huddle. Thanks for listening. Stay safe.